You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire podcast. MWWire.com, that's our good old website, Facebook, Twitter, all the same stuff. MWC Wire at some places, Mountain West Wire. Jeremy Moss, Matt Kennerly. And a Christmas Eve Bowl preview, Hawaii Bowl versus um, Houston and uh, Fresno State. Looking forward to it. It'll be uh, nice if you're in the uh, colder part of the country and you get to see Hawaii. I'm kind of jealous, I guess, for some people. Are, are there going to be any warm parts of the country? Have we actually looked into this yet? Um, technically where I'm at the moment, it's above average. Cause I remember seeing a map, like, I think it must've been last week or something like that. And literally the entire country, this was back when it was like snowing a week ago. And, and mm-hmm. there was, it was a tweet actually from like a weathercaster in Miami and it said, hello from Miami. And like literally <laughs> the entire country was in like the thirties and the forties and stuff like that. And then right at the very bottom of the state of Florida, Miami was like 81 degrees. Oh boy, lucky them! Uh, it was fifty-one degrees here in Utah the other day. Then it started to snow, so that's something. No, well, I don't know. Regardless, it's winter here, but it's always—it's never winter in Hawaii. That's very—that's very true. My takeaway: so this game, Christmas Eve, which means um, ignore your family and friends for a couple hours. That's okay, right? As long as you're there Christmas Day, that's the important date, right? Yeah, you get your uh, your presents out of the way either right beforehand, or you wait and you do it in the evening, right before the kids crash, you know, or before you put them to bed and then they stay up all night waiting for force. Santa. You mean yeah, yeah? You mean force them to bed? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, force them one to or bed. the other. <laughs> I know that is. It depends what time zone you're in as well, because that's a it's a big deal. And one a little bit a note about this game: it's a Sunday night game. Mm-hmm. And there's no NFL at this time because there are – or is there NFL? There's NFL afternoon games, correct? I believe so. Oh, wait. It's all day Sunday. Never mind. Duh. <laughs> it is a regular NFL Sunday, but there's no Sunday night football. So for people who want to watch football Sunday night, we're the only game in town. So you better watch. Oh, yes. Yes, you should. And because it's going to be a good game, not because we're not – not just because we're partisan. There's that too, but we also want to uh, avoid the Oregon State Fresno State fiasco, or is that Boise State Oregon State? I forget. A couple years ago. Oh was, yeah, was that your Bulldogs? Well, so no, that was uh, if you're referring to the Joe Southwick incident. Oh yeah, where he peed off the balcony. Yeah, <laughs> Boise State. Yes, so, so far as I know, nothing, nothing along those lines has happened. But you know, we're recording. Hey, thurs- hey we're, we're still early on Thursday. There's still two two whole days to go. You know, some exactly you know, two whole days for you know somebody to move from the nice list to the naughty list or something like that. Exactly. So yeah, this game it's the evening. Uh, it's five thirty Pacific. Uh, so what's that? What three thirty Hawaii time? Yes, it is three thirty Hawaii. So it depends on your time zone. If you're out west, you put the kids after. But if you're kind of central or eastern, maybe halftime put put them to bed, record the DVR, then you can blast through the commercials during halftime, and yeah, it should be a good game. It's it's the matchup where. We're familiar with the Cougars because last year they played San Diego State. That's very true. And Houston, well, they were uh, 
Okay, this is... Oh, I was going to say ESPN screwed up big time. But here's an interesting... Um, wait. Yeah, they kind of screwed up here. I don't know what they do. They, they say Fresno State's 9-0 and 4-0. And Houston's 7-0 and 4-0. That didn't seem right. But I looked at that. It's like, then also it says a parenthesis or comma against the spread. I'm like, okay. Then they have actual records. So I don't know what the deal with that is. But... Uh, Sure. One one interesting note before we get into it. For Houston is a two and a half point favorite, which whatever. However, against the spread, Fresno State's ten two and one. <laughs> I did. I mean, I, I think I brought that up during the Mountain West title game. You did. I think something like that. Yeah. So but with been, it being so two and a half points, yeah, so basically, you if, you've been, if you've been betting on the Bulldogs all year, you've been making a lot of money. Exactly. Bet on them, and with it being a two and a half point line, if they cover. It's going to come down to the wire and probably win because in Houston, on the other hand, is only six and five against the spread. Interesting. Just so you say, no, just so you know, it's a two and a half point line over under forty nine. And here's what you need to do about this game. You wrote your preview what just mere hours ago on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. I've been writing it all week long, and yes, I just posted it a little bit earlier today on Thursday. Thursday. I need to adjust the layout because it's not at the top where it should be. We have a Q&A on Houston where you chatted with... Uh, who did you chat with on this? I forgot who that... Uh, well, we talked to Joe Broback from our friends over at Underdog Dynasty. Um, SB Nation's you know, American Conference USA Sunbelt blog. And whack? He, did they cover the whack? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think... Well, the whack is basketball at this point. I think that, no, that might fall yes. to, to our other friends over at Mid Major Madness. Yeah. <laughs> That's Russ area, but yeah, I mean, he but, gave us a, he gave us some really good insights, which I'm I'm as we talk about this game, I'm guessing that I'll probably bring up one or two of the things that he mentioned as being pretty important keys to this game. Well, let's start with the most notable player in this whole game. It's Ed Oliver. Ooh, who, yeah, for, was he a first team All American? He was a consensus All American. Yeah, consensus. So that what is that? The F Football Writers Association. AP, it's I think it's five being five first team All Americans. I believe is that how it works to be consensus. I'm pretty sure it does. All I remember is that Rashad Penny was also a consensus All Americans to give you an idea of just how much of an impact the Olivers had for the Cougars this year. Yeah, didn't he also he got second place in the because uh, I remember during the award ceremonies that, that ESPN has out there in uh, Florida. He's like, well, going back to work after he didn't win one of the awards he's up for. He's like, back to practice. Well, it, he didn't win one of them, didn't he? Win? He won the Outland Trophy. I think it's Nagurski he didn't win. We, we, maybe we should look into these things, right, before we start. Yeah, I think you're right about the <laughs> Nagurski. I know he was a finalist for that, but you know he did win the Outland Trophy as the nation's top interior lineman. Mm-hmm. And you know he did that despite not being at 100 percent all season long. You know the numbers are down a little bit depending on where you look from a year ago. But I mean, this guy. It's a beast. And one of the things I mentioned right off the bat, which I don't think it's any secret, you know, hashtag analysis. Um, Ed Oliver might be the single best player that Fresno State has faced all year long, which is saying something when you consider they've also played Alabama and they've also played Washington. And obviously, you know, Boise State, San Diego State have had some talented players on there. And we should probably mention uh, Vanderesh, that guy, who that we guy. think is pretty good. It's still pretty good, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that tweet will live forever. It will, yeah. 
But, you know, Oliver's the kind of guy, you know, by virtue of the position that he plays, he's, you know, he's a defensive tackle. So he's in the mix right in the heart of the attack. So he's the kind of guy, unlike a lot of other guys that Fresno State has faced this year, where, you know, he can take away some of Fresno State's, State's key strengths, which, you know, to me, in, in looking at this matchup, trying to crunch the numbers to see how it'll shake one way or the other, that kind of thing worries me. Because, I mean, if you want to start just with the uh, the numbers that jump out, you know, he he only had only had 14 and a half tackles for loss. Yeah, that's it. Um, and he did have five and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, stuff like that. But, you know, he's doing that. And it's one of those things where, you know, it doesn't show up on the stat sheet that he's getting double teamed and triple teamed pretty much all the time. And I think I talked about it when we did our first look about how I went back and I looked at, you know, some of his performances during the, you know, during the regular season. And there was one play in the finale they played against Navy. It was, you know, his lone sack of that game. But, you know, he went from the interior around two linemen and sacked the quarterback as he was trying to get away. <laughs> like, so he's he's big, he's fast, and, you know, he can beat double teams. And, you know, I've, one of the things I've talked about a lot this year is the fact that, you know, Fresno State's running game, for instance, is they've been solid, if not necessarily spectacular, you know, they still rank second in stuff rate. So they they never get pushed backwards. But I'm a little bit concerned going into this matchup that Oliver might kind of be the exception that proves that rule. I worry that, you know, he and the other guys that Houston has on their interior are going to be able to push them back in a way that other teams haven't been able to this year. And if that happens, you know, we kind of know what this offense's weaknesses are. Which makes this game, you know, it has the potential, at least the way that I see it, as going sideways very quickly if Ed Oliver and, you know, the, the front seven for Houston has its way. So with Ed Oliver, like, everybody knows his name. So who else do they have? Because we know that the Fresno's offensive line, it's pretty, that's part of their strength. It they, is. They, they don't, allow, like, in the last game, they, they didn't allow many sacks to Boise State. Mm-hmm. They they do a good job of protecting the quarterback and Marcus, or yeah, Marcus, Marcus McMurray back there. And so, it, let's just say, Fresno, they're going to have to probably double him at some point mm-hmm. or do something because you can't, even even for how good the line is, you can't, one on one, it's a lost cause essentially. So, who else have you looked around to see, like, okay, if Oliver gets stifled or not even just stifled, but he takes up two, two and a half players, that's going to open it up for somebody else on this team. Who has been that guy? Like, like who's their number two guy that could. Who has like maybe eye popping stats because of what Oliver has done to uh, eat up space? Well, I should probably defer a little bit to our friend Joe Groback, who mentioned um, Dewan Hines at linebacker. He's you know a guy who has a triple digit tackles, uh, one hundred and four. He had six and a half tackles for loss, a couple of forced fumbles. You know, other than Oliver, they don't necessarily have one guy who's like a very disruptive pass rusher. Um, he ended up leading the team in sacks, but it's, you know, shades of Fresno State. It's not quite as good as Fresno State's pass rush. But, you know, they do have some guys, especially a linebacker, who have made an impact in that. You know, he also mentioned Matthew Adams, who has four and a half tackles for loss. Um, Leroy Godfrey, who stepped up, he has eight and a half tackles for loss mm-hmm. and a couple of sacks. Um, and Emeka Ugbule, who has, you know, five and a half and two. So if I'm looking 
for you know a potential X factor. It's you know how often are they going to bring pressure in order to get to McMarion, or how often are they going to need to bring you know let's say five guys versus four or three in order to stop the running game because you know if they can free up extra guys to you know be in coverage to you know cover the edges if if fresno state wants to try to attack the edges rather than running in between the tackles you know if they can get that with four guys rather than five you know that could be a huge advantage for them so to me it's it'll be interesting to see how Fresno State's offensive line, which, you know, as we both mentioned, has been really good this year. They've been a lot better about run blocking. You know, they haven't really faced a front seven quite like this that, you know, has that impact player on the inside, as well as a lot of really, you know, good complementary players who can also make things difficult if they, you know, can't do what they want to do, which is run the ball, set themselves up on early downs to be successful. Well, that's what I was wondering about. Like you're talking about that Fresno's rushing game. It's not over. It's not great. We can be honest. It's just okay at best. Like they're what four and a half, not even four and a half yards per attempt. So, well, they did good versus Boise last. Pretty good versus Boise. A couple games like New Mexico or against Hawaii. And Wyoming, they did actually pretty well running the ball. How is I don't know how the, who's going to run the ball well enough to go up against this Houston front seven because or even just the defensive tackles with Oliver because. We've seen what McMarion can do when he throws early. It's he's they kind of play backwards, like we mentioned before. He'll throw they'll throw on first down a lot more than other teams. What I've we've noticed the past second half of the season. But if they can't run the ball, let's just say they they do half a yard worse, like they're three point seven yards per carry, which is not good. It's half a yard less than their average. Mm-hmm. Can McMarion pick up the slack? Because that means Houston can control what you're doing, even if Houston's going to pass a lot. Or, I mean. Say they force Frozen to pass. Okay, running game's not working. Mm-hmm. They, I know this is kind of worst-case scenario. I'm not just putting it out there because I think this is a real possibility where Frozen's going to have to throw more than the run because they kind of have to, like, well, we're not running well, so he's got to throw the ball more often. So that means Houston can't say, okay, we're going to blitz seven guys and get at you like crazy, which they could do with all those guys who get the backfield, at least for TFL-wise. Or they could say, well, like you said, play – maybe bring four guys only, or maybe sometimes even three guys and drop everybody back. Mm-hmm. It helped. That's, that's a pretty big concern because McMar- there's very few games McMarion has thrown for over 300 yards this year. And so that I think that's a possibility. So I think first is going to have to get something done in the running game, or at the very least, even if running game isn't successful, still run the ball so that the play action will work and it, it'll keep Houston not able to dictate what they want to do. Like either I'm going to blitz everybody or drop back where they can control how you're going to throw the ball. Well, if you listened to our if you listened to our San Diego State podcast, you heard me talk about highlight yards per opportunity. And if you didn't yes. listen to that, I'll just, you know, refresh it real quick. It's essentially, you know, how many yards a runner gains after the first five yards, you know, after the offensive line has more or less done its job. You can find the numbers over at Football Study Hall, which I, you know, as usual, I always recommend that you do. Yep. But I went back and I looked at, you know, Houston's last four games. Because I feel like there's a potential for a serious mismatch in this regard. You know, Fresno, we know they, they're more efficient than they are explosive because, you know, they rank in the top 30 as far as rushing success rate. So, you know, they're very good overall at, you know, setting themselves up to succeed. But, you know, between Jordan Mims, Josh Hokett, and Ronnie Rivers, none of them average more than 3.6 highlight yards per opportunity. So, 
they're they're able to move the chains quite a bit with their running game, but they're not you know none of them have shown the potential for a lot of breakaway plays or like you know big running plays. And conversely, what Houston has done in the last four in the last five games, excuse me, is they've held their opponents to three point three highlight yards per opportunity. And when you consider the fact that among their opponents they've played Navy and they've played South Florida. And so that means they held Quinton Flowers and they held, you know, the triple option attack more or less in check, you know, and and gave themselves the opportunity to win both of those games. You know, if you're talking about a front four that is playing about as well as anybody in that regard and a running game that, you know, that's not necessarily their strong suit, you know, if you know, if they're not able to even get that much, you know, if they're stuck, you know, with their kind of yards per carry, which is, you know, three and a half, four yards per carry in the last month or so, that could spell a lot of trouble if they can't get it, especially if they can't get it going early. Like if Houston can assert itself, you know, and kind of flip the field in their favor early on, you know, that could be a bad sign as the game progresses for Fresno State. But again, you know, I'm that's another one of those things that I'm a little bit concerned about for them. So let's go real quick. Let's go to the offense for Houston. Okay. We'll flip it around a little bit because we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth. Okay. But actually, no, let's, one more thing. Let's stick with the real quick Fresno. I guess it kind of goes both ways. The passing game. Mm-hmm. Houston, um, hmm. They, uh, sorry, I thought their stats were misleading. They, they don't pass the ball very well. That's being kind. Their offense really isn't that good. And so, sticking, like this will come together with Fresno and Houston's offense, but Fresno has like the receiving edge by far. Not even close. Well, I guess they have guys like Little Bonner for Houston's like 70 catches or Stephen Dunbar 66, which is quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But like the edge, outside of those two guys, they have nothing. I think Fresno, if McMarion's going to need to, it's going to all come together. If they have the big passing game, but like guys like Keyshawn Johnson, everybody else who can catch the ball and receive what they've seen, I just think the passing game has to be on target because running. I don't think the running game is going to go well. But I think the receivers, if assuming McMarion can be on target, if he's rushed or not, they got to find a way to get quick passes. But I think that's the one big edge that Fresno may have. Not necessarily like McMarion passing the ball, which I think he does, but like the receiving edge. That's right. That's where I think they may they may have it against Houston. And I mean, I think that you're probably right about that. You know, the the strength that Houston has is, you know, their their top two guys, Dunbar and Bonner. You know, they've, you know, their the numbers don't necessarily jump off the page. You know, they both have right around 850 yards, and they both, you know, three and four touchdowns respectively. Mm-hmm. The huge advantage that those two have on Fresno State's receivers is their catch rate. Yeah, they catch everything. Yeah, it they seems, seems like. like they catch everything because Dunbar's catch rate is sixty eight point eight percent, and Linnell Bonner's is seventy nine point three. And if you want to compare that to Fresno State's own receivers, you know their best guy among the guys with t- at least twenty five targets is Damari Scott, and his catch rate is only seventy percent. So, you know what I can say for Houston, which we'll talk more about in a minute, is you know their receivers seem to give them more opportunity to succeed simply by virtue of catching more passes which come their way. But one thing that Fresno State is going to have to do, I think, if they want to succeed in this game, is they have to rediscover big plays. Because, you know, that was one of those things, and I mentioned it in my preview as well, 
it was one of those things that really worked against them in the title game. You know, obviously we remember in this in the regular season finale, the the fourth quarter catch from Keyshawn Johnson where he got behind Boise's safeties, and that was more or less the difference in the game. But you know, in that title game, McMarion's longest completion was twenty two yards. And in the four games before that, he had 12 passes that were longer than that. So it's not as though that's an element of the offense that's been missing down the stretch. You know, Jameer Jordan and, and Johnson especially have been very key in that regard. They both have at least six catches of, of 30 plus yards. So those guys are going to be really crucial. You know, if they can get down the field, if they can stretch them, and more importantly, if McMarion can connect with them in a way that he didn't the last time they took the field. But, you know, when you look at Houston's secondary, that can still be considered a very big if, because at a minimum, they've got a trio of safeties that are pretty good. You know, Terrell Williams and Garrett Davis both have four interceptions apiece. They've, and when you take their numbers and combine them with Khalil Williams... You're looking at a trio that has 15 pass breakups. So, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if Fresno State wants to take their shots down the field in the same way that they did against Boise. But that's one of those kind of 50-50 propositions where, you know, if Johnson and Jordan can find those opportunities, if they can create those opportunities, it's going to be up to McMarion to just find those passes down the field. But that's kind of a big if. Well, that's the thing, too, and being accurate because he seems to not be on target because there's a couple of times here and there where he just overthrows whoever it may be for Fresno receivers. So he needs to be more accurate. But you're right, like like I mentioned, the Houston guys, like the amount of catches is a lot, but like they're only getting – they're not a downfield threat for the most part. They're getting 11, or 11 yards per catch and 13 yards per catch between two of them. Don't get in the end zone that, all that frequently. That's why I thought they had the edge overall because of what they can do, but – one thing when I look at Houston, the quarterback situation, they've been bouncing around quarterbacks every single week, it seems like. They started with, what, Kyle Allen. Was it from was he TC or Texas A&M? He got benched. They went to another guy, and they're now sticking with, uh, who is it, Derek King? Or Derek King? Is that correct? I believe it's Derek King. Derek, not Derek or Derek, but D apostrophe E-R-I-Q. It's a nice name. It's a good one. Solid. Yeah, and I mean, he's been a difference maker down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, he runs the ball pretty well. That's a big thing, too. Yeah, he's their third leading rusher in just a handful of games. Yeah, and when I was looking at this matchup, you know, one of the things I really had to consider was the fact that, you know, the numbers on the season are a little bit deceptive simply because they've been cycling through three different quarterbacks because it was Allen and then it was Kyle Postma before mm-hmm. King kind of took over and he start, he ended up playing the last four games as the starter. But, you know, it's not a stretch to say that he's made a pretty impactful, you know, he's made an impact as a starter because, oh yeah, you know, for one, the running games, you know, their production has gone, I would, I think it's fair to say it's gone up because, you know, in three of the last four games, they've averaged over five yards a carry on the ground but even more than that you know you mentioned you know Stephen Dunbar and Bonner not necessarily being big play threats I just want to point out that at least in the last three games that they played you know between the two of them they have 38 catches Dunbar has averaged 22 yards catch oh all right then there you go and Bonner's averaged right around 15 and a half so on the on so on the season you know their numbers seem pretty modest but down the stretch 
you know, again, it seems fair to say that, you know, King has made a difference not only with his arm, but with his legs. Yeah, he's true. And they've won three of their past four. They almost upset Memphis. They had a weird loss to Tulane, and they beat South Florida. Yes. So they didn't play him, and they beat Navy. He's pretty good. So the Tulane loss is kind of weird. But like looking at what uh, King has done, like he's completing just about 70% of his passes. He's, after the first game for South Florida, he struggled a bit. But he's ran the ball well. Yeah, that Tulane game he rushed for 141, but eight touchdowns on his own, on the, or seven on his own on the ground the past month. But you're right, like him being in there, it's outside of like the South Florida where he only threw for 137. East Carolina, yeah, they're terrible, 330 yards. But like versus Navy, they're usually pretty good defensively, 277 over 200 versus Tulane. He's been more consistent. And you're right, I guess it's, it is good that you looked at the more game by game stuff because you're right, the past couple of games, like you mentioned with uh, Dunbar, what he's been doing, he had two of his three touchdowns in the past three games as well. So it's going to be. Um, Maybe I'm mistaken about the receiving core a bit because when you dig deeper with – and again, too, when you have rotating quarterbacks, it's hard to get a rib, rib, uh, rhythm mm-hmm. and a groove going. So if with King being the guy, this uh, maybe that two-and-a-half points should be higher for Houston. The only problems that I can see Houston's offense running into and, – and this is, again, one of the things I mentioned in the preview – if you look back at the South Florida game, especially, you know you'll you'll see on the year he's only he's only been sacked seven times. Five of those came against the South Florida Bulls, and okay. I, so I went back and I watched that game because I was really interested in seeing what exactly they were doing to be successful. And what I noticed is they were applying pressure pretty much right up the middle with their big defensive tackles. Like I noticed, um, I believe it was his name Deadrin Sinat. Sure. I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> Apologies to all of our South Florida fans out there. But, you know, they were creating pressure right up the middle, which King wasn't really able to escape from. And they were applying a lot of pressure from the left side of the line, too, which I thought was really interesting because, you know, in that game, they ended up losing their left tackle, Josh Jones, who you know, ended up missing two games down the stretch. And, you know, everything that I've read suggests that, you know, he'll play in this game the same way that he did against Navy uh, in the finale. But I'm wondering, you know, if some of that has to do with the fact that, you know, you go back and you look at the numbers and the pass rush from Houston's last three opponents, not good. And, and when you compare that to Fresno state's own pass rush, and I thought this was a fun little number, you know, Fresno state had 26 sacks in conference play. And that was more than Navy, East Carolina, and Tulane had combined in the American in conference hmm. play. Conference play only. Okay. So I feel like, you know, at a minimum, if if South Florida was able to create pressure up the middle, that's going to be a huge potential opportunity for someone like Malik Forrester. And the yeah, because South Florida's guys, defense was not very good. So Yeah, and, well, it, it yes and no. But, well, parts of it, but yeah. But I feel like that's a huge opportunity, not only for for Forrester, but for the other guys around him. You know, Jasad Haynes, Kevin Atkins, who they're going to have more of a role now that Nathan Madsen's basically done for the year. You know, those three guys, if they can create pressure up the middle, that could take Houston off their game in a way that they haven't really been off their game in the last month or so. And, you know, if they can disrupt up the middle, that can create opportunities for, you know, the linebackers to create the pass rush. Because 
you know, the unlike Houston, they don't necessarily have one guy who's like their most disruptive guy. But you know, there have been individual players who have really taken over certain games. Like Tabena Okeke had a really big game. You know, George Helmuth has had a really strong November. And, you know, Robert Stanley, you know, all four, all three of those guys have, you know, at least four sacks piece. So, and, and I should also probably throw in Emeka Endo in there too. He also has four sacks. So, you know, if they can collapse the pocket in a way that Houston's recent opponents haven't been able to, you know, that's going to pose a problem, I think, for Houston, because as good as they've been on passing downs in particular, you know, and that was another thing I went back and looked at, and the numbers are kind of like, they're super crazy. Like, they're they're number one in completion rate on third downs in the country. They've completed almost 70% of their passes on third downs. And when you look at passing downs in particular, which, you know, define second and eight or more, third and five or more, fourth and five or more, King down the stretch has been 28 of 36. So that's right around what, 75%, 80%? Yeah. So that's like, that's that's huge for them. But at the same time, Fresno State's own secondary has been really good in those situations all year long. When you look at passing down success rate, they rank ninth in the country. So while I'm expecting Houston to be able to get the ball to its receivers, I'm not so sure whether or not they're going to be as successful as they have been down the stretch in being able to move the chains simply because of the fact that their corner, that Fresno State's corners, you know, in particular... You know, Jaron Bryant, I think, has been, he's played very well down the stretch. You know, it's not a given that Houston's going to have the same amount of success that they have had recently. And if that's the case, you know, if they're not as successful throwing the ball as they have been, that's where this game could really devolve into a defensive fist fight where it's like, you know, if neither team could run the ball very well and if both quarterbacks are under siege for 60 minutes, then it comes down to who's going to make a mistake first, I think. True. Now, while you're talking, I went back to look at like, who's the best defense Houston's faced. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I part of it, South Florida's numbers are skewed because overtime games and stuff. So when you look at, like, total yards, yards per game, it's not the best. But yards per play, it's basically Fresno and, and um, excuse me, South Florida are both in the top 20. Mm-hmm. And so in, your, in total yards, like, nationally, I'm talking about, they're both yeah. top 20 nationally. So this could be – I looked at that game because – South Florida's held to 24 points. Houston got 28. Like, not a decent amount of points, not a ton. But I'm looking at the, what South Florida did well. They Houston didn't throw the ball throw the ball very well. Only had, like, five yards per attempt mm-hmm. or per pass. I guess that's per pass. They ran the ball okay. It's one of the better running games for Houston. So I think you could look for that game maybe to see, okay, South Florida has really good offense. They're held down. But on the defensive side, Houston won. But Houston wasn't, like, explosive moving the ball. Like, they only had – Three, well, only but 397 total yards, which is not bad, but not amazing, really, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Like their yards per play and yards um, third on conversion. And then you talk about the quarterbacks getting to sacks. Like South Florida, like, like you said before, Houston's hardly given up any sacks outside of the past month. Mm-hmm. But I think this might – is probably – this is the best defense are going to play all year, like better than Texas Tech, better than Arizona, mm-hmm. right there with, I'm guessing, South Florida. Navy's defense is usually okay, but this – Gonna, that's why I think this could mirror maybe the South Florida game. Not a ton of points, and whichever defense or well, doesn't, I, I think offense will come out bigger in this game. Who's gonna make that one big offensive play? But I think look at the South Florida matchup. That's kind of what we compared. I know South Florida's offense is better, 
than what Fresno can do because Quentin Flowers is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And they and that's where I'm thinking that well, McMurray can throw well. They if Fresno needs to get the running game going, but defensively, it's going to be like fewer points just because I think that matchup compares quite well to what they faced all year. I should say because yeah, you're facing Temple, SMU, we saw they did the other. They got whacked. Tulsa gives up too many points. They're not very good. Mm-hmm. So defense is going to be something they've seen recently, but still, it's going to be one where they need to be prepared because they honestly haven't. Even though they've won those couple of games, you mentioned a big thing getting to the quarterback. They struggled the past month for whatever reason. And if Fresno can do what they do, we saw what they did versus Boise State, multiple sacks back to back, getting to Brett Ripon. And so if they can do that, I think they got to get that. I think that could be a difference. And it's like I said, the point totals and it's whether over under is what, 47 points. Mm-hmm. And I just think the defense is going to be as good they've seen all year. And that's going to cause Houston to maybe start slow and. I don't know. It's going to be. I think it's going to be a big factor. And also, we haven't mentioned this, but how big a deal is that Houston does not have their offensive coordinator for this game? That is another good point, and we should probably bring that up because Brian Johnson, who you know, if there are any Utah fans out there, you you definitely yes, present. Yeah, you remember him. Um, He was the offensive coordinator for Utah when they beat Alabama. I remember that. Yeah, and that was one of the questions that I asked our our friends over at, at Underdog Dynasty about. And what Brobeck had said was that he wondered if it was going to bring the run back the run game back a little bit more because you know Brovac hmm. had liked the run game more in the second half of the season than he did in the first half one thing you mentioned that Johnson seemed to like a lot was the bubble screen which you know at late Tim DeRuiter era I've been there I've seen what that's like <laughs> sorry um so you know I think Houston will probably be they'll try to strive to be as balanced as possible but you know based on what I've seen from the games that I've watched is they're not going to hesitate to let King run the ball if he sees an opportunity to do so either, which I think is one of those things that, you know, the numbers on the season don't really account for, because as you mentioned, you know, he's brought that kind of big play ability kind of similar to Marcus McMarion where, you know, he doesn't run a lot, but when he does, it's often been very impactful. And so, yeah, I think if we're looking for anything, it's you know more of an emphasis on the run game, and you know maybe seeing more of King running the ball, making plays with his legs, especially if you know if they're getting pressure off the interior, it'll be interesting to see if maybe they line him up in the shotgun, roll him out a little bit to you know get him some opportunities to throw downfield that way. I think it's a fair point, but looking at just real quick, who's going to replace them? Major Alvin um, going to replace him. Well, I know what I mean, but yeah, he's he's I was gonna say he's offensive coach. That's what I mean. So that's why I think um, it's not going to be that big a deal, but it's it's still a big deal because we major. I, I'm familiar with Major Alvin Light because I'm also a University of Texas fan, and he got screwed out by Chris Sims mm-hmm. because last name Sims. You know how that works, right? Yes. The name gets you farther than it really should. Uh, but so he's been an OC at uh, Texas, University of Texas. He was at Syracuse. He's an offensive guy, so it's not a big deal. But a couple, here's what it's like. What I mentioned with the one of the prior games, um, shoot, which game was it? Um, I don't recall. Like replacing court, everybody takes a step up. Essentially, it's up the ladder. Mm-hmm. It was with I don't remember what game, but it doesn't matter. So they're going to be replaced like by the wide receivers coach, the uh, GA offensive line coach. Uh, they're going to go with. The wide receivers coach, Kenny Gilton, will be in the coach's box and tight ends coach, James Casey, and offensive GA um, will assume bigger roles than passing games. So assume, I don't know if Applewhite calls the plays or not, but 
basically Kenny Ginton, the wide receivers coach, is going to be the OC for this game. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to – it could be a difference. I think Applewhite calls the play, so it may not change a ton. But, again, like maybe it's with the recap I was talking about the Rams. Every person does a little bit more than, than, than they normally do. Where, okay, you're normally the receivers coach, but you got to make the game plan. You're normally the GA, now you're going to coach the offensive line plus your other duties. And so it all adds up where you're just doing a little bit more than normal. And maybe that – because I think these teams are fairly even. Overall, there's advantages, like we mentioned, defense line for Houston at Oliver – compared to, like, say, I think Fresno's receivers have an edge up over Houston's receiver for the most part. Quarterback play, probably McMarion a little bit, maybe. The other guy can run, though, so the king can run. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this could be the edge where, or the difference where these guys perform well, they do their thing, or it could be an area where they're just not in their normal comfort zone because guys in the box, has that guy been in the box all season? I don't know. If he hasn't, that's a completely different look for a game. And so that could be something where just one of those small details where it just uh, makes everybody a little more tense, just a little bit, just different enough where it could cause a little hiccup here and there. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, you know, if I'm a Fresno State fan and I'm thinking that Houston's going to want to run the ball more, that I think is a point in Fresno State's favor because, you know, mm-hmm. no secret, the Bulldogs have been really good at stopping the run game pretty much all season long. And, and when you look at, you know, not only, you know, outside of King, if you look at, you know, Houston's duo, you know, Muba, Carr, and, you know, Duke Catalan. I mean, they've been okay down the stretch. Like, you know, neither of them did much in the finale against Navy, you know, and Duke Catalan only had two carries in the loss against ne- in, uh, against Tulane. You know, they both had pretty good games against South Florida, oddly enough. But... You know, this isn't exactly a running unit that has covered itself in glory down the stretch. And when you compare that to what Fresno State's been able to do up front, you know, again, I think this is a point where Forrester, again, figures to factor heavily one way or the other. Because if they want to run inside, they're going to have a lot of trouble doing that, I think. So we've talked. We've we've gone quite quite lengthy this bowl matchup. Our other <laughs> matchups have been. I'm just saying we're at 38 minutes here compared to other ones. This is. Well, I mean, you know, there's there's not a lot of uh, potato talk in this one. There's we can make it. <laughs> we we can talk Robert Kekalula if we want to, but we're not going to. Uh, we can talk pineapple. Your favorite pineapple? Sure. Do you like pineapple? I do like pineapple. All right, that's a we agree on a fruit of some sort eventually. Thank you, right? thank you for listening to Mountain West Wire, your number one podcast for pineapple talk. I think we're number three because we only talked about five seconds on pineapple, so I'm good with that. Okay, but so let's get let's get to prediction time because we've we've discussed at length that these two teams because this is we, let me ask you this: Do you think this is the best bowl matchup in the conference that we have? I do. I mean, I think would you would you. Would you real quick? Would you have said this before Boise, Oregon, going into it? I would have, yeah. Okay, why is that? I mean, this matchup, and I wrote about this in my preview article. You know, Houston and Fresno State, like Boise and Fresno State, very similar. You know, in more ways than one. You know, they both you know had to deal with quarterback issue. They both win with defense. You know, they both have you know had some pretty substantial upsets this year. So, you know, it's it's probably going to be more or less the same kind of game that you've been seeing, especially down the stretch with this Fresno State Bulldogs team. You know, they had a hard-fought win at Wyoming, and then they had a hard-fought win at home against Boise State. And then they had a, you know, 
a tough, kind of a tough luck loss against Boise in the championship game. And so this game strikes me as being very similar to those kinds of things where, you know, I'm expecting both offenses to have a lot of trouble against both of these defenses. And then, you know, in the same way that we talked about or that I mentioned earlier, it just comes down to who's going to make a mistake first. Or, or rather, you know, who's going to get like the one opportunity that they take advantage of that the other two, uh, that the other team doesn't get. Who do you think that'll be then? Do you have any guess? I mean, so are we going to predictions then? Yeah, let's go to predictions. Honestly, I think Houston's going to win this game because, and and this is maybe maybe it can lead to my last point, which is you know if Fresno State is down late there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that they're going to be able to come back because, you know, even when they've held a lead in the fourth quarter, one of the things that has been very significant for this team down the stretch, I went back and I looked at the last six games in the fourth quarter, Fresno state has averaged 3.5 yards per play, which is for the record, not very good. And if, <laughs> no. and if you take out that 81 yard touchdown that Keyshawn Johnson had in the finale, that number drops to 2.7. It is bad. And, you know, it. everybody, I think, bears some accountability for that. But, you know, I think it's going to come down to whether Marcus McMarion can lead a comeback at some point. And for as much as we've talked about the fact that he's been not very good on third downs this year, do you realize that he's actually been slightly better on third downs than he's been in the fourth quarter of games? Well, now... That's something. So I'm going to throw these numbers out there because if Fresno State is down four or down seven going into the fourth quarter, I want you all to keep this in mind. 64 attempts, 28 completions. That's a 43.8% completion rate. One touchdown, three interceptions, quarterback rating of 81.92. And I went back and I looked at every single group of five quarterback that has thrown at least 40 passes in the fourth quarters of games this year. There are 63 of those guys. Only two have had worse quarterback ratings in the fourth quarter than McMarion. Who and are they? So they are uh, Jack Milas from Ball State and George Bullis from Kent State. Okay. Maction. Maction. <laughs> or lack thereof in that case. <laughs> yes. What's the opposite of action? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, the defense is pro- it's it's going to do its part. I think that's a pretty fair assumption or a pretty pretty fair prediction, I'd say. Yeah. But I have a lot of questions about whether the offense is going to be able to do its part, and if it's you know sputtering all game long and they're down late and they need a touchdown against this Houston defense. I haven't really seen much of anything down the stretch to suggest that they're going to be able to get it. So I think it's going to be a close game. It wouldn't surprise me if Fresno State is able to like get a lead and win by like a, t- a field goal or something like that. But ultimately, I think Houston's going to be able to do enough on offense you know, to keep Fresno State at bay. So it's probably going to be close. You know, It's probably going to be a little bit ugly at times. But I do expect the Cougars to win, and I have the final score of twenty to thirteen. So you're going against your own Bulldogs. Yes. How many times have you picked against Fresno State this year? 
Uh, well, let's see. I, Are you doing this on purpose? Because they win when you pick against them. I, I picked against them in the title. I picked them. I picked them in the title game. Let's not forget you that. Did, you were. I also picked them against Wyoming. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think Ed Oliver is a really big deal. He's going to be a difference maker in this game, as he has been basically every single game this year. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, I see competition. It's been. About the same, I could say. Maybe a little bit more for Houston, but then again, they played Alabama and Washington. Fresno did. Yeah. So, but that was also when they weren't playing McMurray and they were playing uh, Chase and Virgil at those points. So those don't really count, in my opinion, too much. Just because that's what months ago? Jeez, we're in December. That was back in September. Eons ago. I think, here's what I think. I think Fresno will get to because I don't really trust this Houston offense. Even with the new quarterback in there. Okay. And I know they play, the receivers have played as well as they have the past three weeks. But they lose to Tulane, which is weird. I, I don't. Know, I just think it'll be like a low scoring game. I think Fresno will pull it out. I think. I, th- I think McMarion will have something going this game because here's the thing too. When they played Hawaii, was it at Hawaii this year? It was. This is their second time, correct? Yes. So I think that legitimately has a little bit edge for them because I know it's a bowl game. You have fun stuff, but it's also a football game. You're there to play football. Fresno has already been to Hawaii this year. They already know what it's about. They you still want to have fun because it's. Geez, it's still Hawaii. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, and I'm nitpicking, I'm looking for something here, but there's an edge where maybe Houston maybe has a bit more fun. Not like they just want to hang out at the beach a bit more. They all visit Pearl Harbor. They'll do all sorts of things. As Fresno did as well, because I saw them tweet again the other day about, or maybe it's today, about them visiting Pearl Harbor this time around. They've been to Hawaii. They're not going to care as much as Houston. Like, oh, we're in Hawaii. This is cool. We're going to go to the beach. We're going to do this. We're going to go be a tourist, essentially. Which... That's that's I think that's a big deal, and that could be something that gives Fresno an edge. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go Fresno. I'm going low scoring as well, but I'm going 20 to 17 Fresno State. Okay. I'm picking the Bulldogs, and why not? And if you'd like to know what the advanced numbers say, I guess the uh, number fire and team rankings. Let me fire that up for you real quick. It was a well, close one. Well, while you're oh. looking that up, I'll just point out what football study hall has. What do they got? <laughs> It's more or less 50-50. They give Fresno State a 51% chance to win with a projected score of 26.6 to 26.1. Wow. Yeah, it is dead even. Here is what number fire in ESPN FPI. FPI, basically the same as football study hall, 51.2 towards Fresno. And then you have down here um, the uh, pick center, teamrankings.com, Houston winning 26.4 to 23.8. Number fire, dead heat, like less than a point. 21.4 to 20.6. It's going to be a fun game to watch one or the other. And here's one difference I say. The um, offense, the defense, I know Houston's played a few more explosive defenses this year, like South Florida, but they held them pretty low. Points allowed per game, 17 for Fresno, 23 for Houston. Mm-hmm. So there's that, and then they score about the same point, amount of points per game, 26 for Fresno. 28 for Houston. So, but I'm going low scoring. Setting both defenses will have a big game. Definitely, My main key, yeah. Fresno needs to limit sacks and TFLs by Oliver and anybody else. And I think, um, and get to the quarterback. And I don't, I think they can hold him in check for an amount of rushing yards he wants to get. But I think that's a big deal. The offensive line, I know, sorry, I switched around. What am I doing there? Sorry. <laughs> Two different things there. Apologies. No, I just think, like, if they can somehow keep Ed Oliver to have just an, an average game, that's how they'll do it. Yeah, I'm really hoping I don't get Marcus Hunt flashbacks in this game. Uh-oh. 
Well, we'll see what happens, but I think that's it. We've talked plenty about this game. We talked more in this bowl game than others, so that's good, right? Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up. So Christmas Eve, avoid, avoid your family. Leave them alone. Don't Just give them a hug good night. Say good night, folks. I'm watching football on do, Christmas Eve, Sunday night. Maybe do something nice for them in advance to enable yourself yeah. to watch this game. That's a good point. I was just going to get there. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was handed a early Christmas present, so I better be Ooh. nice on Christmas Eve. All right. So yeah, no, I'm kidding. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you get that's what you gotta do. You gotta build up. Like, okay, the game's in the evening. Have an early dinner or a late dinner on the West Coast. Have a late dinner like at nine o'clock on Christmas Eve. I don't know. Do something. You have, I have a Christmas party during the day with my family, an extended family. Go hang out with them. Do something very nice. If you have to, here's what. Here's a good idea. Because nobody, people have kids and everything. Very few people, at least it's my, maybe it's just me. They don't wrap presents until the night before, essentially. Oh, like, oh no. Pe- pe- I mean, we're, already, procre- we're already done here. I'm saying most people, maybe it's just me I'm saying. <laughs> I, that's my plan tonight here on Thursday. I got to go uh, wrap some presents here for the kids. But what I'm saying is a lot of people are procrastinators, right? Mm-hmm. So you pause the game, you record the game, maybe watch it while you're wrapping presents, right? That also works. There you go. That's usually late at night, but just. Find a way to watch the game because I think that this game is going to be pretty exciting. Yes, it will. It may not be a shootout, but if you, if you like the Boise State games and Fresno State games, it's probably going to probably going to mimic that. Definitely. With that being said, that's the show for tonight. Thank you for listening. MWWire.com. That's the website. Tell a friend. I haven't seen any retweets of the podcast, so I'm kind of concerned about that, folks. You got to help us out. You got to do something, right? Retweet. However... I will say, people have been very nice in supporting our podcast. We have a link on our Blog Talk Radio page about random sponsors we have, like Sling TV. Hey, if you want the Pac-12 Network, we got that. If you want um, to save money through Ebates.com, you can get five bucks for doing that. A lot of people have been signing up for random stuff on there. We appreciate that. If you want tickets, StubHub, or not StubHub, sorry, eh, scratch that, SeatGeek is what we have. <laughs> I mean, StubHub is fine, but we get money from SeatGeek. Yeah, that's so. the thing. Yeah, yeah. Go there instead. Sorry, I don't know why I said that. But, but yeah, just check them out. That's cool. We've had a lot of people help us out there, so that's appreciative. But the most important thing, you listen to the podcast, you have a good time watching football, and happy holidays and Merry Christmas. And we'll see you sometime next week for a recap on all these bowl games, folks. <laughs>